This is the Doctor Who Podcast, and you are most welcome. In this episode of the Doctor Who Podcast, questions will be asked, questions will be answered, and the hard questions will be, well, forgotten. Yes, hello and welcome to episode 262 of the Doctor Who podcast. And as you can tell by the Antipodean dulcet tones of the opening, I'm joined this week by Trevor. Hello, Trevor. Welcome back. Hello, James. It's, it seems like it's only a fortnight ago I was here. That's because it is. Ah, well, there you go. <laughs> it's it's always fun to record with you, but it's strange. Whenever you seem to be available, everybody else says, oh, um, no, I'm, I'm busy this week. I, I can't record. Um, I need to go and get my hair cut or something. So I'm afraid it's, amazing, it's just yeah, yeah. <laughs> Trevor it, and it, I. It's amazing how many people need to wash their hair when <laughs> I want to be on the show. And, and Tom doesn't have much hair. I mean, get, get that. I, don't, I just don't understand it. Well, that explains why there's absolutely no shampoo in the camper van at all whenever you end up spending <laughs> a recording session in here. But uh, but enough of this witty banter about hair. My God, the stuff I end up talking about with you, Trevor, when you're on the show that isn't Doctor <laughs> Who never ceases to amaze me. Um, but before we get into the, the, the main thrust of this particular show, which isn't going to be a Regenerations episode this time, we're going to take a little break this week. I wanted to ask you, Trevor, are you going to be travelling to Sydney to see Doctor Who the world tour i don't know i i saw that announcement uh, earlier in the week on the uh, mm. bbc facebook feeds and twitter feeds i thought oh could i really be bothered to be perfectly honest <laughs> i mean <laughs> i mean because i kept thinking of the times when you guys went to that uh bbc ran one up in uh, cardiff was mm, it mm, last mm. year or early this year or something and no, it was a couple of years ago but yeah oh was it? oh there you go <laughs> and and you all thought it was amazing but it, it just felt very corporate, and I'm kind of thinking that, you know, when they uh, trundle our newest doctor out, his assistant, they'll have all the sound bites ready, and uh, you know, you might get a few clips from the show that you know they'll they'll tease you with, but will tell you absolutely nothing, and mm, then they'll mm. take your hundred dollars, and you can go home. I, I have to admit, I feel very, very similar. I mean, I, I wanted to go along to those corporate events, as you, I think, quite accurately described them as, just because I've not seen the BBC do anything quite like this for anything, not just Doctor Who. And yeah, it was still worth going for the experience. But like you say, if you're going for information or to hear new stuff, then it's extremely unlikely that they'll announce it at these kind of events. I think we need yeah. to remember they are fundamentally just marketing stunts, you know, very elaborate. Yeah. And, you know, they've been very widely reported. I mean, after the BBC announced it, as you said earlier on this week, it was re-reported in all of the mainstream newspapers. The Guardian even ran a piece on it. And uh, let's just talk detail. There's going to be a world tour. It's going to be Peter Capaldi, Jenna Coleman and Stephen Moffat. And they're going to be touring Cardiff, London, Seoul in South Korea, Sydney in Australia, New York in America, Mexico City in Mexico and Rio de Janeiro in Brazil. But aside from that, detail is actually very scant. We don't quite know what they're going to be doing, but presumably this is just they're just going to turn up and do a series of publicity mm. events, aren't they? I'm I'm kind of wondering why because I mean apart from those last two cities you mentioned, I'm wondering why they're bothering because I mean certainly for Australia when they come to Sydney, the only people that are going to go are the fans. I mean, <laughs> they've got everyone here watching that's ever going to watch the show, ever would have watched the show or even would think of watching the show. I am actually totally on board with them going to Mexico and was it say was it Seoul you said? Yeah, South Korea. Yeah, I mean that those are fantastic opportunities to broaden the audience of the show and you know presumably that's what this is about to you know to get more eyeballs watching the show yeah. and in interested in the series but london are they going to get yeah. any more fans new well, york sydney i mean what's the point apart from giving you know moffat and capaldi and coleman a bit of a holiday well you can't really have a party and not invite your own fans to it, I suppose. So, if it, I mean, do you remember the absolute debacle when they went to Comic Con? As I'm sure they will again this year, it's coming up in a couple of months actually, uh, in San Diego, and they gave um, 
a screening or or they screened a trailer of Day of the Doctor long before any publicity had been announced in the UK. And and there was a big backlash within fandom. I doubt whether the BBC would have even noticed or or, or cared if they had. But Mm. I'm wondering whether they're just trying to be as inclusive as as possible. I, I don't really understand this at all, I have to say. It smacks enormously like uh, a JNT publicity stunt and a case of you know the the rigmarole and the circus that surrounds Doctor Who seems to be getting much more attention than the actual show itself and I'm slightly concerned that this is totally disproportionate and the show might not necessarily suffer because of all of the energy being directed into promoting it. But, you know, if, if it was a straightforward choice, and I know it isn't, but if it was a straightforward choice of having another five episodes or funding this world tour, I know which I would be choosing. <laughs> yeah, true, true. I mean, maybe they've sort of fallen prey to this interesting theory that I've seen floating around the internet the last couple of days. Have you seen this one? I think it's been reported on a few uh, Doctor Who news sites. The, the Curse of the Eighth Season. Now, I, no. I didn't read a lot into no. it, but apparently the eighth season of a lot of shows um, is where the rot really sets in. And, you know, I think there was an article on Kasturbris and, you know, one of the other sites saying, hmm, um, will Peter Capaldi's first season as the Doctor um, be as good as the other ones? Because because it's the eighth season. What was John Pertwee's second season like then? Well, I I did counter that on a few sites and said, you know, of of course it's got to be true. The eighth season of any show was terrible. I mean, remember when Pertwee was around during the eighth season, we got terrible stories like The Demons and (laughs) Mind of Evil and Terror of the Autons. I mean, they are rightly regarded as like worse than Twin Dilemma. So obviously (laughs) the whole... Eighth season being terrible is has some incredible foundation in in the Doctor Who universe. And and is this even the eighth season, Trevor? I mean, do you have to discount all of the specials as a mini season, or do you just have to pretend they don't exist in order for this to become season eight real? You know, it's it's cobblers basically. And I think if the show is going <laughs> to fail, or if this season is going to be not very good, it'll be for other reasons, <laughs> not that it's no, just reached yeah, a particular well, milestone. Yeah, I'll 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 just go with the unscientific um thing of what do the box set say what does it say on the front of the you know the last matt smith box set does it say season seven if it does it also says a spectacular season seven and that's not true (laughs) (laughs) well one out of two eight bad no no who who knows i mean how how are you feeling about seeing peter capaldi on 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 screen because i personally i'm remarkably unenthusiastic worryingly so actually well, I, I think because we really haven't heard anything yet. I mean, anything really concrete apart from some, you know, you know, tedious shots of him waving the sonic screwdriver around like a gun. Mm. I mean, a, apart from that, and maybe a shot of him looking like David Tennant in an astronaut outfit. Um, yep, there yep, there yep. hasn't been a huge amount going on in terms of pictures. I mean, I, I was quite disappointed to find out after the fact that that um, trailer that was floating around with... Um, Capaldi's Doctor walking from the TARDIS across the water. That was a fan trailer. It wasn't a BBC yeah. one. No, this I was is, so disappointed. It's what Lisa mentioned last week, and do you know I still haven't seen it yet. <laughs> but I understand. You really it's should. I brilliant. mean, it's yeah. it's it's total. I mean, I won't use the W word, but I mean it. it it's <laughs> it it's a bit of a you know sort of self serving type of thing. Sure, I mean, it's what. Sure. A, I mean, you sort of watch it now and go, yeah, this would be something that Moffat would do. You know, something that looks like it means so much but actually means absolutely nothing nothing yeah you'll have to send me a link across to it because um, i will i will yeah no it saved me having to spend precious seconds googling but uh, but there we go (laughs) no i i i I will be excited i think as you say when i know for sure that we've only got a couple of weeks or so to 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 wait before we see peter capaldi as the doctor on screen but um Mm. for the time being announcements like the world tour is is not going to get me very excited But what does get me very excited is the fact that our listeners have responded in their droves. Um, We asked a couple of weeks ago for listeners to send in questions. Should they like (laughs) to hear our opinions on on subjects that they raised? And, you know, I made a point of saying that you could ask questions about anything, about the podcast itself, and provided it's not an obscene question, which fortunately we (laughs) haven't had any. (laughs) Now that I've said that, we 
bound to get some. Anyway, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna read these questions to Trevor. He hasn't seen them, so you have no idea what I'm going to ask you at this point, do you? Oh, exciting. Mm, okay, so we really ought to try and think of a little name for this kind of section, but uh, don't know. Ask Trevor. We'll do for this particular episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not going to work next week, is it? Or the week after? Well, you just have to come back. Uh, see, is, see my is, cunning is that plan? Is that the way to do it? Okay, all right. <laughs> anyway, here we go. Question number one. Are you ready, Trev? I'm ready. This question's from Matt from Levinson. Do you agree with the results of the latest DWM poll for favourite and least favourite stories? Just to remind you, listeners, if you, if you don't recall which stories were voted best and least favourite, I think number one was Day of the Doctor. And the one that brought up the bottom, right at the very, very bottom, was Twin Dilemma. I I would tend to agree with the uh, one at the bottom. It it deserves its place at the bottom, if not very close to the bottom. But the top spot kind of suffers from the old symptom of, oh, it's the most current one in the fans' memories. It was cool. It was amazing. Mm. Let's all vote for it. And that that's what DWM have done. I mean, we you do get some years in that poll where they do vote for the most current stories. So it, it, it is kind of skewed. So when, when I look at those sort of polls, I tend to uh, disregard any story that's in like the top 20 that was made in the last two or three years. <laughs> yeah. no, no, that's, that's, that's not because I hate the story or anything. Um, although in some cases, I suppose I could. But um, I think like I said, the, the polls get very skewed because yeah. people vote for what's fresh in their memory. Well, I, I, I understand where you're coming from, and I think I would be agreeing with you if, if, if this was something like the Radio Times or if it was a, just a general sci-fi poll. But the fact that these, these are DWM readers, we, we know the main readership has been very loyal and has been subscribing to DWM for a very long period of time. So I don't think you're getting a terrific amount of instant reaction from a bunch of new fans. I I think, you know, this this is from people who are prepared to buy a magazine that does cover the old show just as much as it does the modern season. So I I, I think there probably is an element of that. It is a case of saying, well, you know, the Tenant, the Smith, John Hurt's mystery, it was all fascinating and we got caught up with the hype of the 50th anniversary, so we'll vote for it. But I'm, I'm not. I'm not so sure. It's a case of saying, "Oh, I saw that last year. That's the only one I can remember. I'm going to vote for that one." You are entitled to your opinion. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to give you another one then. Um, also, you you did mention at the beginning of that, and I let you get away with it. That Twin Dilemma deserved its place at the bottom of the <laughs> at the bottom of the poll. I absolutely do not agree with that under any circumstances. I would watch. Oh yes, I know. I I would watch um, the Twin Dilemma over Time and Arani any any day and a whole bunch of other McCoy stories would feature much lower than Twin Dilemma for me so oh, really uh, just yeah. just remind me where did uh, Time and the Rani end up in this wonderful poll I don't know it was very a little bit very higher. close to Twin Dilemma perhaps it was but it most certainly wasn't below it <laughs> Nothing was below dilemma. <laughs> and it's, Once it's, you get down below two hundred and twenty, I mean, it's all degrees of absolute rubbish down below that number. So, <laughs> I, I I don't know. I mean, I'm interested in these polls, but like you say, I don't really, I don't really use them to think. Oh, I must watch that story again, or I must watch that story again. But I I, I do think that it's very tempting just to look at. The, the stories in terms of good stories and bad stories and i don't think that's actually what the poll is even trying to achieve to be honest okay right you ready for the next question i am okay again it's all focusing on the new se- season here um and it's from joe pilkington did moffat cast john hurt in day of the doctor just to annoy christopher eccleston interesting question joe um fake name by the way joe pilkington gotta be fake um <laughs> Did he cast John Hurt to annoy Christopher Eccleston? Um, I'm, I'm going to say no. I think he cast John Hurt because they needed another doctor in there. I, I think at the end of the day, Moffat would have loved if Christopher Eccleston said, yes, I'll be part of this, you know, mm-hmm. one last hurrah for, you know, for the 50th anniversary. But he said no, and that's, that's his choice, however wrong it may be. And... They said, well, we have to rejig the story. I, I, I don't think he was specifically cast to annoy 
Christopher Eccleston. I, I don't think Christopher Eccleston really cares. He probably actually hasn't even seen the special. Yeah. I bet he hasn't. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest. I, th- I think I know where Joe's coming from. I mean, is it in, in, I think we talked about it on the show at the time as well, actually, is once negotiations with Eccleston fell through and just just, just collapsed, Moffat did probably think, I wouldn't be surprised if he thought, right, who is the most high-profile actor I could get in just to to show Eccleston that mm. you know he's not above this, and uh, John Hurt is someone not only who has got that status, but Eccleston, being a classically trained actor, would have had a huge amount of respect for professional respect, I believe, and and, and therefore I I do wonder whether there was an element of you know once. Hurt's name was on the contract. I cannot believe the production crew didn't smile and think, "Hmm, what's Eccleston going to make of this?" And I, I for one, have no idea. It's quite fun speculating, but uh, but it's a nice, um, nice question there, Joe. Yeah, mm, definitely. You got another one for me? I do indeed. This one. This is ooh, a great ooh. name. <laughs> Toby Harkness from Illinois. And uh, again, name. some people—it's a good name, isn't it? Yeah, some people have, have said where they're from, and uh, others haven't. Um, kind of assuming that people who haven't are based here in the UK because it doesn't sound as exotic as Illinois. But uh, there you go. Um, who would you most like to interview? Which is wow. actually quite—it's quite good that you're on a show here, Trevor, because I think probably you and I have interviewed the most people out of uh, anyone here in the camper van and, and certainly you interviewed for the who cast prior to the dwp yeah, coming true, into existence too true. so i mean you've probably interviewed more people than me so go on you go first no, you go first surely not surely you you are the interview master james i i, I bow to your interview greatness <laughs> I, I, I worship at the altar of of the james interviewing technique what's the answer trevor <laughs> <laughs> have i sucked up enough okay um i don't know i mean i i think one thing we've never really got on our show or even the WhoCast to any major degree is a chance to speak to a lot of the doctors. I mean, you know, we've, we've been able to speak to McGann mm. recently. That was fantastic. Yeah. Um, I think Tom's spoken to Sylvester, is it twice or is it once? Um, yeah, possibly twice. The big finish days, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't think we've had any other doctors yet, have we? And you're probably going to prove me wrong, aren't you? I think you are correct. I think Colin mm. Baker has recorded a, an ident for us. Yes, but, but I then... don't think we've interviewed him, have no. we? No, no, no. no. I, um... I, I, mean, I mean, the chance to have a chat with a doctor um, would be fantastic. I mean, either Tom Baker or Peter Davison came very close in the WhoCast days. We, we had a month-long Tom Baker fest, basically, where we reviewed all his stories. And at the end, uh, Seb at the WhoCast had arranged an interview with Tom, but I never got mm. to go to that, of course, because I'm all the way over here in Australia. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I mean, the chance to talk to Tom Baker or Peter Davison um, would would be fantastic, I think. Mm. I, I think I, I would certainly agree from an acting point of view. Any of the doctors I'd be up for speaking for. I think I would be extremely nervous about talking to Tom Baker because you, you just never know what Tom you're going to get. And I think, you know, there are times when it doesn't actually matter who interviews him because he doesn't answer the questions. He just goes off on his own his own thing. And the thing that I would really not want to do is speak to Tom Baker and have him run absolutely roughshod and not listen to the questions. And I've heard him do that a few times and I would just think, do you know what? I don't want to be here. And that's the same. With, that's, that would be the same with anybody. Um, but aside from that, then I, I've, I've tried to vary this a little bit. I think I'd very much like to interview Lee Evans, who 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 is Bernard from Planet of the Dead. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, and and again, it's a couple of things. There's this thing within who, and it, it goes back into the classic series as well. You get people involved who have got nothing really to do with acting at times. They're just performers, and you've got a lot of stunt casting towards the end of the McCoy era. And that kind of came up again in the new era, um, most prominently with the casting of Catherine Tate and and possibly Billy Piper before that, because she was known as a pop star, despite the fact that she was, you know, a qualified actress before her singing career took off. And I, I kind of would like to just find out how they, how they felt when they got involved. And uh, Certainly in the new era, Lee Evans, Catherine Tate, Billy Piper, they completely blew away any kind of criticism and they made people who were concerned about their casting look silly. And 
I, I just think it would have been fantastic to sit there and speak to someone um, who's, who's taking on the scientific advisor role and who, you know, is not connected with the show in any way, shape or form. I think he would be very fun, very fun. And it actually it very nearly came off uh, a few months or so mm. ago in my in my pursuit of him. Um, uh, Russell T Davis, I'm, I always had on my list and I always thought at some point I would like to really put some effort in to try and secure an interview but listening to the interviews that he's done with Toby Toby Hadoke recently whilst he is immensely listenable he doesn't talk about any of the negative sides of, of production and I'm not saying that he should dwell on that but I do like a balanced opinion from anyone involved in the show and if you mm. end up getting you know someone just saying how wonderful everything was without any any description of what went wrong I kind of feel you're only getting half the story. And I, I like the way Moffat actually has, has, has countered that. He he went, has been on record a few times now, saying he's not very keen on the beast below. And uh, that, that took everybody by surprise when he said that. And from the classic series, then I think Eric Saywood is top of my list. Mm, there you go. Well, thank you, James. I'm I'm glad I asked you that question. That that, that was a <laughs> what ages ago? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, about twenty minutes ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I actually have one that I thought of while you said Russell T Davies. Oh, yeah. um, for a while there, I, I pursued Seagal, who was the producer ah. of the '96 telly movie. Oh, and I thought you meant Philip when everybody thought he was going to be the next Doctor. Yeah, <laughs> and actually tracked him down to a company he worked for, but I, I couldn't get an interview with him. Um, he, he's someone I'd love to speak to because, as you know, the uh, telly movie is one of my favourite Doctor Who stories. Mm, mm. I said Philip and I meant to say Stephen. It's not a very good joke. <laughs> it's wrong. <laughs> it's actually a perfect joke because I, I, I did a whole commentary track for the um, 96 telly movie back about 12 years ago for MMM and throughout the whole commentary I referred to the producer as Philip Seagal <laughs> and it was Brilliant. only at the end they turned to me and said oh do you realise you called him Philip or, si- or Stephen idiots why didn't you tell me <laughs> <sighs> Stephen Seagal is the doctor I, I, especially with his ponytail yeah I think that would be good and he could sing with his band as well <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mm. yeah. So only if he's um, supported by David Hasselhoff or a girdle, one of the two. Yes. <laughs> okay, the next question from Josh Probert: Which classic series writer would you most like to write for the modern season? Ooh, Terence Dix. Easy. Not not because I think he'd be any good. But because I think, well, <laughs> well, I, I, I'll preface that. Not, not that I think he's um, any good. He, he's, he's a pretty standard writer. Uh, but he's someone that has such an incredible rich history with the original show that I would love to see what he would do with a modern series story. I, I would even love to see what he'd do with a modern series book of some sort, you know, some sort of original novel and and i really thought when they were doing all those ones around the eccleston era because they're not really written in a very um how shall one say adult way they're 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 more geared at the teen type level and i thought terence dix would be perfect for that because he has done a lot of stuff like that also non-doctor who books which are aimed at the teen market Mm. um so i thought if if anyone should come back and have a crack at writing doctor who somewhere somehow it should be terence dix yeah, I, I think. Well, first of all, let's let's decide whether or not this has got to be restricted to people who are still alive. Uh, because if if it isn't, so I don't see any reason why it should be. I would also like to see a modern story written by Terence Dix, but I would love to have seen it input by Barry Letts. You know, I, I, it should have been Terence Dix and Barry Letts, I think. And uh, like you say, as a fan, I wouldn't have cared if it was <laughs> up to modern day standards, whatever that means. But. Uh, I, I would love to have just seen one story. And I know they all said, you know, Doctor Who's a different kettle of fish these days. We wouldn't know how to work with modern technology or modern processes, not technology, processes um, that they use to produce these scripts these days. But you know what? I think for just one script, they could have swallowed it. And it would have been absolutely amazing to watch, I think. But aside from that, I'm going to say someone who I've already mentioned, and that's Eric Saywood once again. And uh, I, I, really? I think, yeah, you bet. I, I think his input into certainly the Colin Baker era was um, season 22 was was immense, and it was utterly responsible for sending the show in a slightly darker 
direction. And uh, I, I, I really, really enjoyed those stories where it's clear he's he's um, he's had an input. Varos and uh, Revelation clearly he he, he wrote. Um, but I, I think he would do a, a particularly good job. But aside from that, then of course I'd like to see Paula Moore back. <laughs> <laughs> the campaign starts here. Paula Moore for Series 9. Yes. <laughs> I hope she's not dead. Linked to Paula Moore and uh, Attack of the Cybermen, the next question is from Arnold Another P. One. Yeah, Arnold P. What is the best Cyberman story? What is the best Cyberman story? Hmm. Hmm. That's a very interesting question. Another interesting question by a, a fan of the Happiness Patrol, by the sounds of it, <laughs> um, which I don't think had any Cybermen in it. Um, We'd been ahead of a lot well, better if it did. <laughs> well, true, true. Actually, they probably would have fitted perfectly for Happiness Patrol because they didn't have any emotion. Well, there you go. Wouldn't that have been brilliant if the Cybermen were actually controlling Helen in the background? And they were trying to produce this soulless uh, group of people on that planet so they could turn them into Cybermen. Do you know, it might have actually had a bit more of an interesting plot then because you could have actually said it was it was clever. The happiness patrol being an emotion and a Cyberman being devoid of any capability of experiencing them. That actually sounds something that I would quite like to watch. I think we've just rewritten the happiness patrol. Well I'm being very unfair. I actually enjoy The Happiness Patrol. It's probably my favourite McCoy story. But anyway, um, what's my favourite Cyberman story? Yeah. I think if I think of a Cyberman story, I instantly go to the modern era at the moment. The two-part Cyberman story that uh, was partway through David Tennant's first season. I, I think the reimagining of the mm. Cyberman in that two-part story was amazing. Absolutely incredible. I, I could even handle Lumic being a sort of Davros clone in that. I, I thought it was really, really well done. I, I thought it was a fantastic way to bring the Cybermen back, give them a bit of a different backstory. Their redesign was absolutely perfect. I thought it was fantastic. Um, if I had to go back to a classic era story for my favourite Cybermen story, that becomes a little bit harder because hmm. there are some nice choices there to choose from. But I don't know. I... I I think everyone's probably expecting me to say Earthshock at the end of the day, but oh yeah, I think I would have expected that as well. Yeah, but when I think of, I mean, when I think of classic era and Cybermen, I go back to Revenge of the Cybermen all the time. Revenge, wow! For some, for for some reason, I really, really like that story. I I do think because it's in a season that has some outstandingly fantastic stories already, and it's part of a you know like that mini arc you know, with the Nerva Beacon. Yeah. Um, I, I think the Cybermen are great. The the Vogan planet's probably a little bit um, <clears throat> naff, uh, but the Cybermen in it, I think, for me, are, you know, probably one of the best interpretations as far as I'm concerned. So, yeah, I'd probably say for classic era, Revenge of the Cybermen. Well, go. if I was a betting man, I would have lost all my money on that because, <laughs> yes, I, I absolutely would have said Earth Shock for you. I would have thought, you know, it's, I mean, it's a good story. It's one of my favourite stories, too. It's a great Cyberman story. It's a great Fifth Doctor story. It's a great Doctor Who story. Um, but, yeah, I'm surprised you've gone back to, uh, to, to that particular Cyberman story. Yes. I mean, I, I liked Revenge for the Cybermats. They were particularly affecting I, I seem to remember and also the whole of that particular season does have a very dark feel to it and it feels as though the whole show is dipping slightly more into the into the gothic and and, and of course mm. that's, that's exactly mm. where it went and, and revenge does feel that way but anyway um no i, I i'm not going to go anywhere near the modern series because i'm going to contend that there hasn't been a good modern season cyberman story yet and i i do think the two that you mentioned which um rise of the cybermen and age of steel in mm. tenants first season uh yeah they, they're okay and they were exciting at the time because we knew the cybermen were going to be back but they become these big stompy loud robots essentially which cybermen never were for me and i i kind of accepted them a little bit more in army of ghosts and doomsday because i knew what was coming and i think that's a slightly better story but uh in all honesty they're not really my cybermen um the, the closest to 
original Cybermen or inventive Cybermen that we've seen in new series do is Nightmare in Silver, which is a story I detest. And I would say that should have been at the bottom of the pole, not Twin Dilemma. But the Cybermen (laughs) themselves, I love. I think, you know, they don't make any sense. They seem to upgrade at whim. I've been there before, so I won't go on about it again. But I like the way they look. Um, I very much like the way they look. But the best Cyberman story for me is probably going to be Silver Nemesis. I I know it's not an amazing story. I know it's not the most inventive plot ever. But there's something about it. I love the fact that the TARDIS shifts around lots. I love the fact that it's it's on location. I love the fact that the Doctor is dark and mysterious, even though his mystery makes absolutely no sense to anybody whatsoever. Uh, It does feel celebratory. The first episode, in particular the first 10-15 minutes of, of, uh, of Silver Nemesis... Is is brilliant. It's it's the Doctor and Ace touring the universe in a very similar <sighs> way to um, to some modern day companions when they just seem to be enjoying themselves. None of the things you just said mention Cybermen at all. No, I know. So why what why does this become your favourite Cyberman story? Then, because when you didn't even mention it. <laughs> because it's a story that I enjoy the most that Cybermen are in. I just like the way it's produced. I go back to it more than any other Cyberman story. Oh, well, okay, my favourite Cyberman story is The Five Doctors. There you go. <laughs> that's that's a story with Cybermen in it. Silver Nemesis. It's oh. called Silver Nemesis. It is about the Cybermen. But I just think it's it's a story for me in which all of the elements of the McCoy era that I enjoy are on display. I think it's great. So I'm I'm sorry, but that's probably that. It's probably Silver Nemesis, and if it wasn't Silver Nemesis, then possibly Tomb of the Cybermen, although I, I, I am a bit tombed out. I've seen it about three or four times in the last couple of years, and I've got no real no real desire to go back and watch it again, so oh, not just yet. Goodness. Anyway, thank you very much indeed, uh, Arnold P. Who, who would have known your question that was so short would produce so much debate? Anyway, Trevor, how many listeners does the DWP have, says Sally Sparrow? <laughs> how lazy why doesn't she just look at the homepage and see how many downloads for the episode well that's downloads <laughs> that's what i'm listeners. doing right now sally p i'm going to the doctor who podcast.com and at the bottom of each uh podcast it, it goes oh look how many downloads there has been so I'm looking at last week's amazing episode, which for some reason ended up with two people liking Twin Dilemma, which probably <laughs> doubled its audience. And we, we have close to 7,000 downloads. There so, But I've seen the counter get up to 15,000, Sally P. I, mm. I don't want to boast, but it was back when I was on the show. And, uh, <laughs> Is that when you could just like go into the back or, or, or the back workings of the DWP and actually key in 15,000 listeners? <laughs> I'm worth a few extra thousand listeners oh. just on my own. You wait when this episode comes out, when the word gets out, I'm on it. Those yeah. figures are going to go through the roof. Absolutely. Yep. Yes. It, it, it's strange actually, because what Trevor said is absolutely right but they are downloads and of course we have absolutely no way of knowing how many people who downloaded the show actually listened to it or at least <laughs> at least listened to all of it um, but <laughs> then again every podcast be it Doctor Who or otherwise has the same issue so it is difficult keeping track of downloads and we know all we, listeners should I say we, we know for a fact that's how many times that particular MP3 file has been dragged down from our our server, but yeah, it does well, that's vary. Right. I mean, we we've we've never been backward in sort of putting up on the site how many downloads we get, and we'd still no, put it up there whether we got twenty or two thousand or twenty thousand. I mean, yeah. we we don't mind people seeing how popular or unpopular, unpopular we are. We are, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which, which which is usually the case because I'm not on the show anymore. But certainly back in the old days, we were incredibly popular. Yeah. Now, obviously, we mm. took a, a big drop when Trevor left yeah. the show. Yeah. yeah. But so that yeah. was only for one week. And yeah. Anyway, let's uh, <laughs> let's carry on. <laughs> this is a good question for you, Trevor. You know how you like your UK geography questions when we do um, DWP oh, quizzes. God. Oh, is Leeson from Birmingham asks someone called Augustus Gloop, <laughs> who is a character <laughs> from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, I believe. <laughs> okay, we'll what? just say no. <laughs> he isn't. I'm, I'm going to say no, and 
Augustus Gloop is dead anyway because wasn't he the one that was sucked up in the tube or something and drowned in chocolate? Yeah, <laughs> he was. So, but I think he got. I think I, I don't think he actually died. It's a common misconception. None of these kids died. They just um, left the factory at the end of the story. I don't know. Um, I I bet in the original they didn't die, but I bet in the Johnny Depp version they're all dead. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'll have to watch that now. Just finished reading that again. Um, question number eight. <laughs> we'll carry on. We'll have a few more of these. Uh, this is from Laura Sile from Bromley. Have the episodes junked in the 60s and 70s been found? We're assuming you mean all 90, what is it, six, Oh, 97? okay. So she's sort of saying, have, have they been found and people yeah. are hanging on to them and not letting anyone know? I'm going to say yes and no. I think there are still some episodes out there that collectors have. Um, there, there would be some die-hard collectors of, you know, 60s and 70s film cans and canisters and stuff like that. And I'm sure there would be the odd episode or two that people just don't want to give up. I mean, they're, you know, they're quite happy to know that they've got it. No one else needs to know. They can sit there and watch it. So I'm sure there is some episodes out there. Um, as to whether all 90 or however many are still missing are out there, I, I'm going to say no. Mm. I think we we will never, ever, ever see all of them returned um which which is incredibly unfortunate but it's uh, it's a massively interesting subject of course it's it's been hotly debated ever since enemy and web were returned last year and you know people are saying absolutely marco polo exists there's a reason it hasn't been returned uh, by by philip morris nobody really knows for certain but you've had some people certainly members of the restoration team who have been very open and forthright about what they believe and they have said yes they believe certain stories have been have been found but uh, whether the whole lot of them have been found (laughs) i i think that's massively optimistic despite the fact that was how the story broke in the uk press uh, before everybody started getting really excited about um you know the possibility of enemy and web coming back because i think it was the daily mirror or it was the people i can't remember now had a big big front page spread almost saying 96 episodes of Doctor Who have been found but then they said in Ethiopia so that probably shows how reliable that Mm. that information was I like to think yes there's been a significant number found and that they will make their way back to the BBC over the next few years but whether they're all of them are there I I, I very much doubt it absolutely and and, and like you say I, I think there almost certainly will be some others turn up through other routes um you know there's no reason as to why private collectors have completely missed the importance of what they 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 may have and you know all it takes sometimes is for them to to pass and their family go through what they've got and somebody actually realizes and that's that's that that's just as likely to happen now as it was 10 15 years ago yeah never say never i mean certainly before web and enemy were found and returned to us in their beautiful, pristine formats. I thought, no, there's no way there's anything else out there. They've been to, you know, the four corners of the earth trying to find stuff. They've looked in every mm. cupboard in Hong Kong and television station in Ethiopia, and there's nothing to be found. But then two intact stories turn up, <laughs> and you go, wow. I mean, <laughs> that that's just amazing. Mm. And, mm. Uh, I mean, you, you kind of have to think that if they can find two stories as recently as a year or two ago that there's got to be something else out there even if it's an episode or two just lying around in a dusty cupboard somewhere there's got to be something yeah i hope so i hope so great thank you very much indeed laura uh, moving on to what should this be our last question trevor i suppose it should be really should I, I, I think in? it should because I, I i'll have one for you after that oh goodness okay mm. all right then mm. can trevor come back as a regular on the show and this is from, <laughs> this is from james from london Oh, well, James, thank, thank you very much for your question, sir. Fake name, by the way, fake name. Um, <laughs> it's a great name, though. Oh, yeah, well, you might say so. But anyway, um, uh, I, I, again, I, I would say never say never. I mean, I'm, I'm here Ooh. now, aren't I? Well, yeah, kind of. 
<laughs> you're, you're there talking to me, certainly, but I know your mind's wandering as to what you're going to have for dinner afterwards or uh, or something. But yeah, no, I, I, okay, okay, James, it is an exceptionally good question, James. I have to say, and it's one that I may even have considered asking Trevor myself uh, in in the past. But uh, but certainly, the I, I I would love Trevor to come back on the show. Definitely, I miss him. I miss him, listeners. Oh, how sweet. Do you want the real last question? <laughs> Let me ask this question. It's a good one, right? And this is from Julian. Doesn't you don't say where you're from, though, Julian? Uh, at what point during a classic series did Doctor Who become doomed? Doomed. Well, kind of meaning, you know, what led to its um, cancellation almost in 1989, or the fact that it just went off the air. At what point was it? Were were the warning signs there? That's a complex question. That it that is. really is. I mean, it's either wrapped up with your belief on what stories you believe were any good, um, also tempered with the thought that even if they're any good, are they ones that will get a huge audience in? But then it's also with, well, did the rot set in years before that? I mean, I, I'd be tempted to go back as far as Michael Grade mm. cancelling slash postponing slash hiatusing the uh, reign of Colin Baker. I think that's where the rot really started setting in. But, again, you might also say that the rot was there before that. Um, I don't think the rot was helped when McCoy came back and we had stories like Time and the Rani. I don't yeah, think it helped yeah, yeah. when we had other seasons which were so far up their own continuity that they were impenetrable for anyone just picking up the story on a Saturday night and going, oh, what's on Doctor Who tonight? I mean, you get stories like Ghostlight, which are indecipherable unless you've watched it five times. Yes. Um, and you you get stories um, like Remembrance to a certain extent. If Once you get past the fact there are Daleks in it, it's so continuity heavy that mm. it becomes a real slog for anyone that doesn't understand uh, you know, the last, you know, 25 years of Doctor Who history, mm, essentially. Mm. Um, yes, yeah, so, I mean, there, there are probably many things there that I would say would contribute to the rot, but it, it's hard to pinpoint an actual time and space where you can say, yes, this that is when it started. Yeah. No, some, 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 some people might say it was when Colin Baker was cast and we got Twin Dilemma. And some I, might I, say, I would yeah, go I mean, there. Who, yeah, yeah, I would go there. I I think the show changed massively when the Sixth Doctor came in, and it, it it didn't ever recover. And despite the fact that the era is littered with really good performances and a couple of very inventive stories and so on, they, it changed. I mean, it absolutely changed. The first five eras of the classic show, I think, there was never any doubt that Doctor Who would be back the following year and it was as popular and as exciting as uh, as it had been and I think it was as soon as as soon as Colin Baker turned up and again it, it had nothing to do with him the direction they took the show in then that that for me was it that was it and they 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 tried to go in a different direction I think when McCoy came in and but but again it wasn't back to how it w- was before and I don't think it should have been they had to move on not go back but I think that that was just very unpopular you know it was it was only the fans who were really keeping the show alive mm. and also people at the BBC just not being brave enough to to carry through and cancel uh, earlier, basically, I think every time they tried to, then they were met with a massive backlash from the fans, yeah. the press, you name it, and they just oh, just just have another season, it will go away then, or I'd have moved jobs and it'll be somebody else's problem. And I think that's the reason why the death was drawn out as opposed to quick <laughs> and, and and certain. Yeah, we see. I mean, I I think that's one of the complaints I've had of the new series too, but I think it's more immune because it has a bigger audience base there that can be eroded over a longer period of time before it gets to the really desperate straits that the classic era found itself in because i think the modern era does suffer a lot through being very very continuity based Mm. but it it's got that buffer there because people have stuck with it for all those years and they remember the stuff that happened two years ago so they can go ah that's why this happened in this story but you've 
got to reach a point where you've got to say you've got to stop throwing massive amounts of continuity at your viewers because you you will lose them. People will slowly drift off. Um, I mean, I've got no evidence to back that up. I'm not even sure whether the viewer numbers have gone down or not. But um, to to me, I'm seeing signs of that in the modern era that I saw in the classic era where people just got lost because the stories were incomprehensible and full of continuity that no one cared about. Well, I've got that question I wanted to ask you, James, that, ooh, that question ooh, okay. that um, has, has been brewing in my little brain for the last hour while, while we've been talking. Um, it's something I've actually noticed on Facebook recently and Twitter. Yes, I do go look at that occasionally and uh, hmm. see what's happening in the Doctor universe. The, the question was posed, I think, by the Doctor Who Club of Australia on their Facebook page. Should Doctor Who celebrate its 10th anniversary next year? <laughs> Yes, I think so. I, I I think it would be wrong to let it just pass and not be acknowledged in any way, shape or form. However, it's obviously going to be compromised a little by the enormous international celebrations that we saw for the 50th. Um, people will end up comparing the two sets of celebrations, I'm, I'm I'm certain. But would I like to see perhaps, I don't know, Rose screened at the BFI, you know, to celebrate it? Yeah, one-off event, why not? That would be really, really good. But it, it just depends what other kinds of celebration, you know, people have in mind. What, 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 what do mm. you think? I don't know. I mean, my instant reaction was no. No, 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 no. Not because I don't think that the new series should be celebrated. I think it should. But everyone has said for many years this is one story. All the way back to 1963, all the way up to 2014, we have a show that is one long, long story. And to then turn around and say uh, we should celebrate 10 years of that story rather than 51 years of that story, that, that just struck me as wrong. Um, if if yeah. people really want to think that, you know, we're, we're, we're telling one massive tale, which, which in some respects I do think we are, because there's masses of continuity that tie in with the original series, um, then just celebrating 10 years of the most, I don't know, current reboot, you know, to me is kind of wrong. I, I think they will, you know, because if they're prepared to get on a aeroplane and fly around the world to promote a doctor who no one's seen in character yet and a series that no one knows anything about yet then why wouldn't the same marketing team leap on the opportunity to say oh it's been 10 years since the show's come back and if if they're keeping doctor who in the in the public eye and the public are not getting bored with it then i think okay if it does promote the show and it does help its continued existence then i'm not gonna i'm not gonna complain but in in terms of the story argument, you know, yeah, it is arguable, debatable that it is a one long story. I probably wouldn't be of that view. Well, I I I'd struggle to care to be honest with you. But it's, <laughs> but it, it's <laughs> I I'm not sure whether. I'm not sure whether it really is. And yes, there's loads of continuity. And yes, there's loads of references back to the classic show. But there's a head of a lot of other stuff that doesn't make sense. It's just ignored as well. So it, it's it's the show with the same name and the same central concept. Absolutely. And there are times when I am more than willing to believe it's it's it's, it's a big, long story. Like last year, you know, 50th anniversary, Day of the Doctor. It celebrated the entire show. And... Um, I, I I just don't know. I have difficulty, as I said, getting really excited. What would it be then? That would be that'd be next March, I suppose, wouldn't it? Would be the actual anniversary. Um, yeah, I, I I guess it would be like March or April next year. Yeah, two thousand and fifteen. It would have to be. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I I have no. It, put it this way: if we're going to suddenly get Russell T Davis and Phil Collins and Judy Gardner, who are no longer associated with the show, really not 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 overtly anyway telling a whole load of new stories, telling us how it really was at times, telling us the the problems that they experienced and 
all of that, then yeah, I'm up for it. But if it is just going to be a case of, oh, didn't we do wonderfully? It was marvellous. It's, it's 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 carrying on because of us. And, you know, we ended with the end of time. And wasn't that wonderful? Then I, I just, Everyone I, loves each other. Yeah. We had such a fantastic time making the stories, you know. No one spilt yep. their coffee any time, you know. Oh, it's, yeah, yeah. it's a lot no, of the it, reason why I don't listen or don't watch a lot of these um extras so much i watched them once on the dvds that's generally it because i mean and big finish are just as guilty of this within their extras i don't want to hear a bunch of people involved in the production saying how lovely everybody is because there's absolutely (laughs) no interest in that i'm much more interested in what actually happened how how did the story get made what was the concept originally? How did it get developed? Not, oh, he's such a lovely person. I knew him from 40 years ago when his mum lived next door to this other person who was related to my cousin and we fed their cat. You know, I, I don't I don't want to hear it. So, yeah, if, if that's the kind of celebration we're going to get, then, you know, I'm going to be very ambivalent about it. <laughs> You're not going to get it, James. You're not going to get it. I, I, I think Doctor Who would have to take another break before we would ever see yeah, you know yeah, the likes yeah. of RTD or saw Stephen Moffat coming out and telling it as it was well, yeah, I mean yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I think so too. you know Doctor Who has to die again before we get all the dirt I think oh dear how incredibly depressing anyway I, <laughs> I always end up talking about the show being cancelled when you're back the campaign yes. starts here Doctor Who to die Let, let's get some dirt yes <laughs> Trevor it's been Brilliant speaking to you again. It reminds me of old times, and all we need is for Tom to be around at one point, and we shall uh, we shall have the band back together at some point. Indeed, it will happen, indeed. listeners. It will happen one day, as as several of you have actually been requesting. So uh, thank you for that. If indeed you have any questions that you would like us to, to to tackle in the same way that Trevor and I have attempted to tackle the questions that have come up this episode, then send them in to us. Uh, feedback at the Doctor Who Podcast dot com. Just label. I tell you what. In the subjects box, put your suggestion for what you think these kind of shows should be called. All right. And if if we get some decent ones, then we might actually adopt <laughs> adopt a name. Uh, for, for, for future segments and again you can tweet us as well and that's just at the dr who podcast anyway trevor it's been a pleasure anything else to Indeed, say before you go here. um no good <laughs> bye for now listeners <laughs> bye everyone jake from bournemouth has written in and asked what have i been listening to nice question you've been listening to the doctor who podcast Ian from Tallamarine asks, where can I find more episodes of the show? Well, you can find more episodes at thedoctorypodcast.com. Great question. Philip from Chicago asks, well, that's all very well and good, but where can I check out more? Well, I can tell you. You can check out more on Facebook, Twitter, or drop by the Doctor Who Podcast forums. Stephen from Brisbane asks, what's the last thing you always say on a show? Well, I think it might be, um, thanks for listening. See you later. 